Hi everyone, it's Nathan. Before we get started here, I just want to lay down a map for you. We're doing a, a two-part episode this week. We're covering the Young Architect Forum's 48 Hours Design Competition. For those of you who don't know, the Young Architect Forum is a program of AIA Atlanta, and it's the place where all the cool young architects of 10 years of licensure or less hang out and put together some amazing programs, uh, particularly their Emerging Voices show, which they do annually. I, I highly recommend you check them out if you want to see uh, cool, optimistic, energetic ideas about Atlanta architecture and the community now and what it can be. We'll start this program with an interview with Nick. Nick managed the 48-hour competition this year. He'll describe the brief and the competition structure to you. And then we'll talk to Max, this year's winner, and we'll talk a little bit about his winning entry and how he came up with it. So enjoy. So I'm here with Nick. How do you say your last name? Kohler or Kohler? Kaler. Nick Kaler. Nick it's, Kaler. Uh, yeah, it's German. It probably should be Kaler, but that whole Ellis Island thing probably screwed it up. I don't know. A couple. Yeah, yeah, they just changed my name at Ellis Island, so that, that's fine. <laughs> um, and you are a young uh, intern architect, as they say in Atlanta, or in the right. profession. Right. Which doesn't yep. mean you're in school. It just means you haven't gotten your license yet. Yeah, it's misleading and, and kind of diminutive in some ways. But, you know, hopefully it won't be a problem for too much longer. I plan on taking the test this year. Oh, good. Good luck with that. Yeah, nothing like being called an intern when you have a master's degree and have been working for five years or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's wild because you go from being a master to an intern. And it's a weird <laughs> system we live in. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's it's actually pretty wild. <laughs> what can you do? You know? Well, it's an old and ancient profession that refuses to change its ways. So anyway, as a young... Uh, aspiring up, architect. Aspiring architect. It's so hard to talk about. You are also um, a member of the Young Architects Forum in Atlanta. That's right. Right. And you are not just showing up at manuals and drinking beers, are you? Uh, well, I, I do do that, but I also I help out in a couple other ways. And the main way that I've helped out in the past has been writing the briefs for these uh, 48 hours competitions that we've had over the past uh, two years. Right. So tell me about the 48 hours competition. What's the, the concept behind it? And then we'll talk about this past year's uh, program. Yeah, sure. Um, it's it's basically this this program where um, competitors either as individuals or as a group are invited to engage a, a, a topic of general interest mainly to because this is the YAF Atlanta mainly pertaining to the city of Atlanta but usually with larger implications um, that could affect you know the discourse either nationally or internationally mm -hmm. um, right right some, some current Subject current, matter grabs your attention. Theme in architecture or urbanism is typically, you know, what what it engages and right. It's alternated in the past between, you know, really kind of big ideas about urbanism in the city, you know, what Atlanta is aspiring to be, right, or you know, really kind of, you know, really niche projects that address a very specific need in a very specific site. Yeah, and like in the past, they've done like a transit station on the Beltline, right. which was small, or they did um, like the Gulch, redesigning the Gulch, which was yeah. huge. And uh, the year before this past one was um, kind of how to stitch together 
the uh, urbanism at, at Vine City and then what has happened at the Georgia World Congress Center and with the new Falcon Stadium coming in. That, that, was, that idea was really percolating about a year and a half ago when we ran that competition. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of concern was for how, you know, these huge developments, you know, billion dollar developments go up and then, you know, the neighborhood nearby is slided. So, yeah, yeah. Building a stadium to fix a neighborhood is a little bit like digging a hole to build a mountain. It's kind of. <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, right. it's the wrong way to go about doing it, especially when tailgating is involved and it's, you know, it's all about temporary parking and, you know, binge drinking mm. and not to say that those things are in no, you know, don't have their place, but, you know, in a neighborhood that's, you know, attempting to recover or aspire to a, you know, previous, um, level of success, it's, it's may not, maybe not the most ideal solution. Yeah. Cause usually they're just, uh, empty, uh, unlighted parking lots, which is a great place to do things that usually brings down home values. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. The so idea there was to kind of, you know, what could we do to, to, to stitch the, the downtown grid back together with the, uh, the Vine City grid in, in some ways. And so various competitors engaged, you know, in different ways in which you could do that. Um, right. So that, that was a previous year. So why do they call it the 48-hour competition? That might help to explain to people the uniqueness of the competition. Right. So um, as opposed to other programs like 10UP that, uh, that YAF does, this, this one is, is very concentrated in its, in its time frame, mm -hmm. which means that you typically get um, the prompt. Uh, you hear about the competition several weeks in advance, but you get the actual design prompt uh, typically on a Friday around noon or 5 o'clock. And then you have to resolve the design uh, and concept work by the end of Sunday, typically. Yeah, you sign up for it not knowing what the design competition is going to oh, be. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so it's it's kind of on faith. <laughs> it's a registration on faith that it'll be a, something that you'll be interested in. But, it, you know, it, it's typically a, a pretty current topic, like I said before. So, you know, that's some there's there's multiple ways to address it. I mean, that's typically how the... Uh, how the brief is written that no matter what your background is, you should be able to at least approach the discussion from some perspective. Yeah, you guys have done a good job of trying to shape that program brief so that it's something that can be solved in 48 hours. So even if it's a really right. big uh, urban planning development, you're looking for ideas, not like work out all right. the details. So. Yeah, so basically with the with the Falcon Stadium, we said, forget the design of the stadium, <laughs> go right to how, you know, the urbanistic challenge could work. And you can explore that in a detailed way or mm -hmm. in a, you know, a larger, you know, kind of site planning way. Right. Well, let's talk about this last year's project competition. Do you want to describe what it was? Yeah, sure. So, you know, as most things, they kind of evolved out of self-interest, but out, you know, as part of a larger discussion. So, uh, about a year and a half ago, or about a year ago when I was writing this brief, because uh, we thought it was originally going to be about six months earlier than when it happened, right. um, I was researching um, the idea of commemoration and like monuments in, in Atlanta for a Burnaway article. Mm -hmm. And it, it led me to some interesting different you know, ways in which Atlanta has, has analyzed monuments and used them to shape you know, different ideologies over time. And one of those was... Uh, uh, Rodney Mims Cook and his uh, basic, basic um, design and, and push through with, uh, with the local architect of the um, of you know the Arch of Titus, the uh, the Millennium Gate in in uh, Atlantic Station. 
Yeah, that uh, big, weird-looking uh, classical archway. Yeah, um, and it is, it's quite an oddity in the city. There's really not anything like it, and it's, it's totally kind of a bizarre situation how it got built. I mean, originally it was slated for Washington, but somehow they got a big donor here in Atlanta, and next thing you know, it's, it just appears, <laughs> as does Atlantic Station. So, Yeah, he, he studied with... Uh, Prince Charles Architecture School, which was a classical architecture school. This is what I've been told. I don't know how much of right. it is true. I, I actually met I met the guy. He's, his office is on the top of the Millennium Gate in this kind of Miesian box. It's totally surreal. And oh, he, yeah, yeah. He looks out and it's kind of this, you know, <laughs> omnipresent <laughs> box and observes the city. But it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. And so he's – I don't think he's actually registered in his, as an architect, although he works with an architecture firm – that yeah. it does have accredited professionals, but I think he's independently he, uh, wealthy. Also, I've heard he is. I mean, his the Mims family is a is a family that goes back at least a hundred years. Um, yeah. So this this whole idea for the for this competition kind of stems off of him. It's it's this uh, Mims Park in Vine City. So right from the last competition, we didn't move that far geographically, but conceptually, it's quite different in that. It is about the idea of commemoration and um, designing, you know, a specific responding to a, a historical condition in a very specific way. Um, the Mims Park was originally um, promoted by uh, Rodney Mims Cook's great, great, great. I, I lose the greats at some point, but his grandfather. Um, like a hundred years ago, basically. Right, a hundred years saying. ago. I think his name was Livingston Mims, mm -hmm. and he actually commissioned um, Frederick Law Olmsted to design this park right yeah. off of what is now Northside Drive. There's now an elementary school in that, in that park, right. which is why it, it kind of fell apart. Um, so the idea is that, that Rodney has had, and he's, he's pu actually pushing forward the design, um, trying to get funding through the city, and actually has a decent amount of support. Um, his proposal is to relocate the park to an adjacent parcel about, you know, like maybe a 16th of a mile, maybe, you know, five or 700 feet to the northwest of the old uh, park property. And it's, it's actually four or so blocks. Um, it's, it's quite a bit larger than the original, um, right, right. Park, but, uh, and it's, it's also been rotated 90 degrees. So in terms of urbanism, it's a totally bizarre, uh, move, but, one that I found really intriguing, and then, yeah. and then it's if you look at he's got a whole video promoting it and uh, this whole um, discussion about it that he goes into, but kind of the uh, the main element of it is this gigantic column, and on top of which is uh, the historical Georgia historical figure Tomochichi, right? And he was the uh, he was the the Native American that helped. Um, uh, James Oglethorpe found Savannah and thus paved the way for uh, Georgia. Now, what his connection to Mims Park in Atlanta is, I'm, I really was never certain, and I don't know if, I, I don't think it exists. I think it's kind of fabricated in some way. Um, but that, you know, that's not too dissimilar from a lot of, like, major classical aims. Yeah. Um, but it's, I guess, you know, celebrating a great Georgia figure. So there's this kind of state and 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 city game being played. Right. Uh, and well, it, 
Isn't there yes. like a um I uh, sorry to interrupt. Isn't there like a, a peacekeepers or peacemakers memorial garden around there with like Martin Luther King and Gandhi and other sculptures around that? Isn't that part of that? You know, I'm I'm there might be, I'm not sure. I, I may not have come across that, but um Sunset uh Sunset Avenue, I think. Mm -hmm. It's 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 the, the kind of the main street that runs north south. Yeah, yeah. In in uh, in Vine City, that that's where a lot of the kind of um, civil rights leaders are from. Martin Luther King. Yeah, uh, that's where Martin Luther King. Yeah. That's where Martin Luther King lived. Right. Um, that's it's his childhood home is still there. Well, uh -huh. that's where he lived as an adult too. I think. I think yeah, I think so. Yeah. He, he was born over by the the home everybody goes to is the home he was born, and the one where they actually planned the civil rights movement was on that street. Yeah. And yeah, a bunch exactly. of other leaders lived out there. Right. Um, so it's 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 got uh, quite a amount of significance, and I don't know if this I don't think this park engages sunset in any way. I think it's a few streets removed, but yeah, I think the idea is to kind of stitch into some of those ideas. Um, I, I do know that the plan is to scatter other less tall statues <laughs> around the park, um, commemorating these you know civil rights leader you know great great right. leader. Um, from you know Georgia history to Southern history, so yeah, um, this, this Mims Park idea is kind of a strange idea because it's pitched as a Frederick Law Olmsted design, but as and I didn't know all of this history, but as you pointed out, it's really Mims' take on what Frederick Law Olmsted did in one location, moved to another location, and added on to for the additional size, and then he made some kind of changes to the design per his own. Right. So it's a yeah. really weird project. Yeah, it's 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 totally new project, but you know the I guess the some part of the skeleton has been you know kind of Frankenstein. Yeah, to a, a new form, and it's it's interesting. That, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I was drawn to it because it's such a kind of an anomaly, urbanistic move. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the, this whole narrative that he's trying to weave with with Tomochichi also is is something that I was interested in and. That basically was kind of the, you know, the, the starting point for the competition was why Tomochichi, you know, is that, is that relevant, you know, when there's so many other great leaders that you mm -hmm. commemorate, you know, is, is commemoration even valid when you have other urbanistic concerns going on around, um, but then it's also steep, you know, so there's, there's that very conceptual abstract condition and then. And on the other hand, there's a, a, a really pragmatic one in that this is eventually probably going to get built. I mean, in some form. I mean, yeah. So, you know, the, that's why it's interesting for a competition because you kind of have to decide at the beginning. You don't have much time. It's 48 hours. So you, you have to decide, okay, is this, is the idea of commemoration something I want to pursue or in, in, in related to this Burnaway article that I wrote, you know, is there some form of unmonument or, or countermonument or something that that rejects a traditional notion of a commemoration? Is that more appropriate given the the kind of um, the total urbanistic, you know, destruction that the Georgia World Congress Center has done in terms of dividing that part of the city? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that part of the city has a, a lot of history and a lot of social needs, and I think there is a lot of a real good reason to question are monuments and monumentization appropriate. Right. And, um, and I think, you know, to some degree it, it is good and, uh, you know, to 
and you know, I'm a historian in training. I, I got my undergrad degree in history from Davidson College, and so there's some part of me that's like, well, you know, history is valid, and we do need to need need to address it and remember it. But you know, there's that great um, Robert Musil quote that there's nothing so forgettable as a monument, and you know, we every day, you know, you you, you pass by probably a couple dozen. You know, it's like at least several monuments on your way to work, even the average person does. I mean, and, and they're yeah. totally forgettable. You don't you barely even notice them. They're just they're so part of the kind of general milieu of of the streetscape almost that that they don't you know, they're like, oh, they're there. But, you know, what connection do I have to this guy? The name I don't even know. OK, he did. He fought in the Civil War. But, you know, so what does that have to do with me? And right. so there's this there's this kind of kind of narrative disconnect that that exists between the contemporary world that's always changing and these you know stone (laughs) pedestal mounted you know figures of of great lore you know right and in in a a city like atlanta in the the south you know most of these figures are charged with incredible you know baggage i mean there's this um there's the the tom watson statue that just was moved from the capitol i mean it he <laughs> was a pretty pretty noted you know racist i mean who who there were a lot of people that were you know 100 years ago so you know the idea of commemoration in 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 this part of the country and really you know a lot of places is is wild i mean that the you know the arch of titus itself you know you know why would you build millennium gate when the original arch of titus involved the romans crushing the Jewish rebellion and right and it, it was a, oh, the arches the triumphal arches were celebrations of war that they would build for when you have your triumph your parade you could march through so exactly so I mean these you know there's there's a whole you know mantra of death associated with a lot of right. uh, commemoration and, and monument monumentalization uh, as a whole so yeah um, so this is the um, the background of the project this strange park program which seems to have touch on all these things, much like this triumphal arch, but not mm-hmm. really be aware of the historical uh, facts and the historical forms it's working with, which creates this really interesting ground to investigate and think about. What was the actual right. challenge that was delivered as far as what the contestants were supposed to um, provide uh, as a design solution? What was the actual challenge they were supposed to so I have it pulled up here, which is nice. Oh, <laughs> but it, the the quote that we give that we gave as a one sentence challenge was to cite and design a commemorative object or space for Tomochichi on any area of the proposed men's park that engages the historical, m- memorial, sociological, and conceptual layers of the context above. Mm-hmm. So the, the context above was laying out basically what we're talking about. Right, and then. It also kind of brought into question these, you know, these ideas of, of uh, you know, contemporary relevance of of, of monuments and and the the site itself. So, it, in the kind of design brief is is a suggestion, a potential suggestion to refute the design brief, which I I thought was kind of interesting and and really kind of fit with the challenge because. You know, so, you know, anytime you're given a challenge in a competition, you're always kind of wondering, okay, how can I push the boundary? You know, where is that line between, you know, crossing over too much and, and still following what, what the, the intent of the competition was? So it, it really kind of added another layer 
to to the challenge to the competition. yeah and idea competitions like this are always interesting because right. breaking the rules if you do it in a way that gets closer to the heart of the challenge mm-hmm. can work for you which which frustrates some people and this was a challenge mm-hmm. that um you could well, take it's a challenge and not you know a, you know whatever it's it's, yeah. it's not it's not an easy thing and so to ask yeah. you know individuals or a group of uh, three or you know four people to to solve this in one weekend is it's it's a lot and 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 you know we've had you know we've had great years where we've had 20 participants you know 20 different entrants and then mm-hmm. we've had years where we've had five so it you know it's it, part of it is due to the complexity of the of the challenge itself and part of it is due to you know just kind of sheer logistics issues so yeah it's um this one i felt you know, while while you can basically say, okay, well, designing a monument that may not take too long. Okay, I can put some weird forms in there and call it a day. But you know, the 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 richness of the of the program or lack thereof, and the and the site, I think uh, I think really beget uh, uh, quite a quite a number of solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the student. It seems like I keep saying students. That's not right. The the, the entrance could choose right. to accept the program as this pseudo Fred Law. Frederick Law Olmsted Park presented it and designed a monument. Right. They could wipe the, the face clear and do something completely different, even redesign the park, or they could do something in the middle ground where they accept parts of it and reject other parts of it and work with exactly. it. Exactly. So it's a really open to creativity in such a short window. Right. Um, do you want to say anything about the, uh, the winning extra, uh, entrance by uh, Max before we wrap up here? Why, why yeah. it was selected? So there was, um, we basically had, had the jury and, um, and, you know, we had, we actually had Rodney sit in on the jury, which was fantastic. Um, yeah. Who else was on the jury with Rodney? It was, uh, Charles Rudolph, professor from Georgia tech, right. Zach Porter, who's a PhD student. Um, he, he has a, he has a history and design focus as well. Um, and then there was who else? Um, Jeremy Smith. He's a prominent member of AIA Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, Autumn, who helped, who helped kind of write the write the uh, the prompt. I don't think she was there, but she participated in other in other means. And okay. there was one more person I can't remember right now, but right. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was a rich it was a rich group. Um, and so, you know, it was you know we got I think we got twelve different mm-hmm. entries, and uh, it was it was a great discussion we took about two hours to go through it yeah it's all 12 presentations in front of you and you you go through and you debate it and you figure out how you're going to single it down yeah right and uh there was a there was a good amount of debate and it really i mean it really came down to the top two teams and we had to have a (laughs) revote because it was so tight i mean there was you know it was was pretty well divided it was uh um but I guess yeah, Max's scheme ended up um, coming out on top, and uh, it was it was mainly due to the kind of the the the, the kind of um, the simplicity of it, but at the same time, yeah. really really a convincing uh, convincing and, and exciting form. Of, uh, basically, he he reinterpreted the idea of a Native American mound, which is kind of the only, you know, Native American remains we, we really have left here in Georgia. There may be some others, but right. 
the the mounds in Macon and um, in Cartersville are, served as kind of the main frame of reference for his proposal, but he carved through it in a way that kind of reinterpreted um, like a contemporary conception of Olmsted's um, movement. So the the way that mo people would move through the park and and he had this idea of in in a similar way to the Vietnam Memorial kind of inscribing on these walls that were carved through the mound, you know, the names of, of Georgia greats or, you know, in some way, some, some sort of um, honor towards the, the trail of tears. Uh, yeah. It was so, important that, it, that the jury and, and Max understood that that mound tradition wasn't necessarily of Tomachicha's tribe, but it was, right. as you said, the only kind of, evidence of monuments that are were known to him and were right. known to most of us so so um, yeah and and you know it, it it was really it was really sound proposal and um yeah we we are all behind it in the end it, even though that, that that other um that other entry came very close um when it was i can't remember the, the name of the participants who got yeah. second place but they were they were quite good um it was uh they had basically a very simple kind of uh shroud frame that that arced along one of the paths that uh olmstead had originally designed and it was this kind of filter um and provided a place of reflection um and uh it was it was quite striking too um and it and it, it had this very inter interesting sectional move the the way that you moved along the path and down and in and through uh the geometry of it it was it was quite it was quite nice um yeah so they're both really just kind of one or two moves were that were made but they were the right kind of thoughtful moves yeah. that yeah. So very... touched all those issues that you were talking about earlier mm -hmm. and uh and the the graphics on this on this other scheme were were just absolutely beautiful oh really um so that was that was another thing that you know i mean <laughs> sexy graphics aren't going to win you a competition but it, it's not going to hurt you either it helps more than you would you would think if you have a bunch of experts looking at it, you would think they wouldn't be seduced by the graphics and they'd be thinking about the space being made. But it does it does help obviously tone. It certainly does, and it, yeah. it, it just it helps to kind of clarify you know a lot of the ideas. You know, you really if a, if a presentation isn't well laid out, you're you're not going to get the the essence of the argument that they're making it. Right, if, right. There's you can read boards in a way like people read writing, and if their boards yep. are laid out wrong, it's just incoherent. You can't tell yeah. what's where. So yeah, it's like yeah. syntax. You know, good good layout is is like any good syntax or diction in a, in any sort of form of writing. So, well, uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, uh, Nick. This was great. Yeah. Sounds great, man. Thank you so much. All right, cool. Great, great program brief. Uh, Max Cofton. Cofton. Uh, and as Max was just saying, you are originally from, well, you are from Belarus, Belarus? White, white Russia. Yeah. But you now live in the U.S. and you're an architecture, architect in training, basically. Correct. Great. Well, we're talking to you today because you won the Young Architect Forum Atlanta's 48 Hours Design Competition. And we're going to talk a little bit about your entry. Do you want to get your own quick summary of what the challenge you were given was? I'm sure if I remember it correctly. Uh, the brief uh, stated that we had to design a commemorative object or a space inside of a proposed MIMS park. Mm -hmm. um, currently, I believe it's just um, a few blocks, three blocks of just uh, trees and grass. Yeah. Um, but now the original design was uh, done by Frederick Lomstead mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, 
and since I think they've relocated it and reformatted it to fit the new location, which is just um, I guess a few blocks west. Uh, yeah, they're they're re there's a group that's reconstituting it, and it's going to have as part of it, it's going to have a um, peace walk, I guess, where they have statues of famous peacekeepers, Gandhi, mm. Martin Luther King, etc. Chobochichi. Uh, Chobo Chichi, did you pick that or was that part of the brief? Uh, there's actually a, quite a good animation floating around of the proposed plan with all the sculptures and statues yeah. that's within the park. Mm -hmm. And um, Tomo Chichi is standing atop of Column of Trajan, and I believe it's part of the proposed um, proposed plan. Right, so the Column of Trajan is, uh, Trajan's column is a Roman uh, monument, which is a giant column with a statue on top. And Correct story around it. Is, do you know enough of did the column have a proposed story wrapping around? It? Um, I believe there's an elevator that takes you to the top and oh, there okay. is a like a balcony that looks over the park and mm. looks onto the city. Looks onto the city, yeah. Yeah, and so that's traditionally a symbol of a, a successful warrior. So the story would be the story of him conquering and killing and maiming, but in this case it's part of the peace pavilion. Mm. Um, and it's, it's traditionally a kind of, that column is a obviously really Western mm -hmm. European idea of, uh, of, of, a, of a monument. And that, that, I think combined with, um, his background, and you maybe can talk about that was your inspiration. So who exactly is this person that was being um, memorialized? Well, previously I did not know much about Tomochichi, but yeah. through the competition I was able to kind of learn the history of Atlanta and Georgia. Mm -hmm. And I found out that Tomochichi was a pretty important figure in mm -hmm. Georgia's history. Uh, he was one of the Indians, he was the chief. Mm -hmm. um, and um, when the white settlers uh, came, they made peace. They decided to do business together, right. <laughs> if you will. They decided not to massacre each other. Uh, so and um, but make a buck or two. Yeah. So in their partnership, um, they did well, and I think they're like the original uh, fathers of our state. Now I believe he had a, he never been to Atlanta, so I heard mm -hmm. um, he um, he lived in Savannah, and there was a monument or a big uh, rock dedicated okay. to him. So um, so yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that would be during the early colonial period. He would have been one of the coastal Indians when mm -hmm. Savannah was. Uh, it's it, um, much like stories of Jamestown in Virginia when the Europeans first came over. The Native Americans assisted them in getting through, mm -hmm. the, getting established. It sounds like. So Mims Park is designed by Frederick Law Olmsted. If you're thinking of a park in your head right now in America, you're probably thinking of a Frederick Law Olmsted Park, which has lots of curving paths paths and naturalized grass and so forth and this is being redeveloped so your solution to this problem of making a space was to kind of take this existing idea and fold in an idea that's less european centric and more in keeping with the, with the traditions of of his cultural tribe um, correct um you I want to describe that solution? i guess i can describe it uh, for a few yeah. moments i brought some pictures just to help both of us walk through it I um, off your so the the brief was very um very complex and mm -hmm. actually read it a few times to kind of grasp uh what I was talking about um so it seems like right off the bat there were two options you could either kind of wipe it clean and pretend that there's no park and you can propose something there right uh, i decided to work with the existing uh, proposal because I just didn't think in 48 hours 
that I would come up with anything better. That you could generate a whole brand new idea <laughs> yeah. from scratch. So, uh, so Frederick Lomstead, um, I took his scheme mm-hmm. as a base. And I guess really I asked myself a question, how could I really not make it worse? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the plan, if I'm, I'm sure you'll post some links to, to it. Yeah. Uh, it's very um, axial. It's very symmetric. Um, it has a bunch of curvy paths. Um, so uh, I've worked with the existing geometry. I've um, continued some of the paths. I've connected some of these mm-hmm. reflecting pools. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of generated the framework or the grid work um, where I was able to pinpoint where the project needs to go. Um, I wasn't entirely sure what it's going to be at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's all happening within the first few hours. Right, um, right. So um, so after I've pinpointed where the logical place for this space is, I started doing some research. Um, and I've learned that Indians, um, they um, Native Americans, um, they honor their dead uh, through building mounds of earth. Right. Um, so it's um, that was their way of commemorating their fallen leaders. That made a lot of sense to me. That was a really good idea, and I decided to do uh, just a simple, just bend the horizon line just a bit, right. um, place that mound right at that location, um, and there it was. The, the one conflict that I had is how to keep those paths that I worked so hard on connecting, and how does that, how does that get resolved with the hill? So I pretty much just carved out the paths from the hill, and this resulted in my final project, essentially. Right. So it was really sounds like it was just a series of kind of questions you were asking, answering, and then going on to the next one. So you, you kind of engaged in this site analysis, which is park with these paths, and you projected them through a kind of hexagonal space. And were the were the waiting pools either side part of the original site? Everything everything on the site plan is original design. Uh, the only intervention is right here in the center. So really, you just swelled that area and created a mound, and then cut mm-hmm. paths through it that you walk through. And mm-hmm. if you so, so in a way, I'm kind of paying tribute to to the Indian way of uh, memorialization, mm-hmm. but also kind of adapting to present day uh, logics. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too. Is this is a, as you mentioned, it's a the mound with a, a memorial form and a, a burying form, and in much the same way that the. Trajan column was about war and it's being used about peace, this becomes sort of more hopeful than, although I suppose there's a sort of hope in death and the repetition of life, it becomes something more life-affirming, I guess. And you talk about the the mound being something peaceful in Mm -hmm. your brief uh, description of it. But I also think the kind of slicing through where you're slowly emerged into the mound and at the center of this is still the Trajan Column that sticks out, right? Um, the Trajan Column is actually located further west. Okay. But what the mound does, it actually, it the, when you carve through the center of it, um, there's actually a yeah there's image. A rendering of it. So this is sort of on in a background, closer okay. to the horizon, and all it does is it really just frames the column. There's a lot of questions. Uh, there's actually two trains of thought. The, um, some people decided to take out the column because they didn't think it was. It belong in Atlanta mm-hmm. because he never visited in Atlanta. He never was a resident. He's, right, he's right. Never, His foot never stepped on the soil. Right. So uh, the question you can ask yourself is, does he belong in this park? Right. In my head, I said yes. I, I think he does. I think he was an important figure. And um, so in a way, I just decided to, to keep everything as is and my intervention to, to frame and to, to highlight 
Okay. Um, the sculpture. So this, I haven't looked that closely. The sculpture here. Right there. Okay. So actually, this is it's actually kind of an interesting situation. Then this mound with these carved pathways through there, eventually get higher than your head. It looks like from it's, the renderings. Gets up to twelve feet. Twelve feet. So, on Vine Street, which is the edge of the park, I guess, you'd be looking kind of through it at the at this uh, peace symbol slash once upon a time war symbol behind it. And it creates a foreground or sort of a gateway that you walk through. Mm -hmm. And as the closer you get to the center of the mound, the, the, the deeper you get and you sort of get swallowed. Mm -hmm. But once you're at the center, you don't really get to see much of the horizon. You can only see above. Right. But once you're there, it really creates sort of a node for you to kind of orient yourself through the park because it really becomes sort of a knot that allows you to to go visit your next attraction or next statue, so to say. So uh -huh. in a way, it's, it acts as a wayfinding object as well. Yeah, it, it does separate you from the context because of the paths you've cut through from your site analysis. You've got multiple ways you could go once you get into the middle. And when you're standing on Vine Street, you really only see clearly through to the final <laughs> monument. It's, it's in a way, it's a really brave proposal because it's just so minimal. I mean, mm -hmm. you've really hardly done anything at all, which is is commendable, I think, a lot of times. To do too much can be and, too uh, much. It was a little frightening because, um, again, you know, you work alone for 48 hours, you focus on your project, you do what you think is right. Yeah. Uh, but then you come to the final exhibition where all the projects are exhibited and you see these grand proposals, um, high-rises, parking decks, redesigned parks, oh, um, wow. LED um, beam lights, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, at first I was really questioning myself. I'm like, did I read the brief correctly? <laughs> um, but um, I, I guess keeping it simple worked for me. Well, that's the hard thing about being a designer too, is you work out something you think works and then you have to put it out there and you're never quite sure if it communicates with somebody else and if they're going to buy into it. So that's, it's, it's, I think it's a really smart kind of thing. It reminds me of the Vietnam Memorial too, which works in kind of the opposite way where you slowly decline in. There's something mm -hmm. about the hill which sort of, although it has height, it kind of is anti-monumental uh, and that it, it doesn't tower over you. It kind of sneaks up on you in the mm -hmm. way you walk into it. Or the Holocaust um, exhibit in Berlin designed by Eiserman. They're, they're, those are all kind of pieces about going into something and, and even though they might be about something painful there is something healing about that kind of return to earth and going into a a womb-like space um and i think the kind of separation you talk about from the rest of the park also builds the seriousness of of, of a peace park or a memorial to all the peacemakers so we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing now you are an architect and training an intern architect as we call them that is correct so you're working on your uh, intern development program points right now? Um, I have been logging my hours for the past two years. Okay. And the principals here have been very helpful um, in that regard. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm happy to to yeah to get that logged in and get registered as soon as possible. As soon as possible. It's kind of the last big test you take before you can call yourself an yeah. architect. That's uh, kind of everything so far that I've worked towards is, is that registration yeah. exam. I feel like this would be the culmination of the studying and working. So that's, that's a great day. So you went to Southern Poly, which is a five-year program. Yes. Um, it's structured, I think, the first two years of design, uh, design foundation. 
mm-hmm. where you just really learn how to hold a pencil and how to make models. Yeah, yeah, learn what section drawing is. You develop your design skills. Yeah. Um, uh, at the end of the first two years, you have a portfolio review. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where the faculty uh, looks at your portfolio and really figures out if you're worthy of going on to the third year. Because b- before then, people kind of drop out on their own. But at, at the end of the second year, that's where you can get kicked out or oh, yeah. get held back. It's a lot of work. Yeah, so that was a stressful time. But, um, you know, you get, you get through it. After that, you get uh, your professional, three years of professional program. Which is what you're, the IDP, what you're doing. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. We're still talking about the Southern Poly. Southern Poly, yeah. yeah. That's sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's where you learn about, you know, details, sections, um, comprehensive design. Um, right, right. You get your kind of fundamentals. Yeah, yeah. Then fifth year, you get your focus studio. That's where you have, um, often professionals um, would come and teach for, mm-hmm. for a semester. Yeah. And that's where you kind of uh, focus on a particular field within architecture. Yeah. And that's why Southern Poly, they often hire professionals that have certain certain skill or certain field that they were they make um, a big deal to hire some working architects to come yes. in and teach not just professors in academia mm-hmm. while you doing that parallel you're doing your thesis research mm-hmm. uh, which is your very last semester mm-hmm. um, and then you get a diploma and you out in the real world you start work if, start if the economy is good and so we would yeah that's another good question um, after graduation I've did I didn't get a job right away no I kind of looked around for a little while but I'm um, happy that I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. happy to be working. And where's here right now? Uh, here uh, is Gehiba Lewis Associates okay. um, off of the 11th Street. Yep. Um, I Go guess around you, back. I guess, you can find I guess, them. Yeah. I guess you consider that a West Midtown? Yeah, it's being called West Midtown. It's mm-hmm. kind of like there's a West Buckhead. It started off as there was just Midtown, and then as Midtown got more popular, it expanded. But it's in the area by uh, the White Provisions building development and, and a lot of things happening right so now. So a really trendy place. Um, I feel like a lot of those um, abandoned um, industrial buildings mm-hmm. get converted into uh, restaurants and retail. And yeah. So you see you see a lot of people here, actually quite a bit, you know, um, after after work is over, the lunch crowd or, I'm sorry, dinner crowd starts to come in. Oh, sure, yeah, while and, you're still uh, working. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, so how you uh, how are you finding the working world compared to your school studies? Uh, well, it's interesting. It's it's very different. It's um, I mean, those are two different, I guess, ends of the spectrum. Yeah. School school is very, um, I guess, theoretical. I mean, they they try to reinforce some practical aspects, but you know, it's mainly focused on design and, and thinking. Right. Where um, in professional world, you just you're solving your real problems. Your real, you know, will this roof hold up you know where to put the your retaining walls sure the sure. Le- legitimate legitimate questions and construction questions yeah so um that's what i'm always uh try to stress to people get frustrated with their education there's only so much they can do and really what they're trying to do is just get you to a point where you're competent enough that mm-hmm. when you get in an office you can start working and mm-hmm. start learning all those other problems that you just can't you just can't fabricate in a classroom yeah. so Well, great. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thanks, man. Cool. Great. Really smart project. Thank you. Congratulations.